Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Every week, we get a chance to share the love of Jesus through music, art, and biblical teaching, and we're so glad that you're here to be a part of it. Let's get started. Existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. pray with me? God, we are thankful for our time together. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray our eyes be open to see the light that has truly come, the light of your son, Jesus. We ask you to be a part of our gathering today. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So nice to see all of you. Welcome to our experiment that we're calling the 930 gathering. (laughs) We're so grateful that you've all come. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, of all of the things we believe in our Christian theology, the only thing that we can truly prove is the issue of original sin. Chesterton, if you don't know, was a great writer from the early 20th century. Some might argue probably the greatest writer in the 20th century. He was a columnist and author of books. He Um, was a lay theologian, he called himself. He actually studied art when he was in college and became an art critic and then become a critic of the culture around him. He eventually penned a book that a young atheist called C.S. Lewis would read and eventually become a Christian. What Chesterton was saying for us is that of all the things that we believe, and many of us here would call ourselves Christ followers, of all those things that we believe All of them have to be taken by faith. All of them have to be taken from a a grace of faith, a free gift of faith that God has given to us so that we have the capacity to trust and believe him, to trust and believe the things that we hold to be true, with the exception of sinfulness. He says we we have proof all around us in, in regards to that. If you don't agree with me, just look at your own life this week. Anyone? Maybe not your life, maybe the lives of the people you live with. I mean, if they're sitting next to you, let's not do this right now. Maybe, maybe the people you work with, or better yet, how about this? We don't need to prove that there's sin because I see it in the church around us. What Chesterton is saying is that sinfulness is common to humanity, and we can see it. And it doesn't just affect our thinking or um, the things we consider in our life, but it also affects how, how we act on the earth. It affects what we do in this world. And because sinful people think sinful things and then perform sinful actions, the world around us begins to get muddled and broken and chaotic and dark and all of that. 
I think the atheist and believer alike would say this. It's undeniable that the world around us does not appear to be the way it was intended to be lived, is it? I mean, at best, it's just not the way we wish it to be going. Would you agree with that? One of the challenges of living in a broken and sinful world is that it causes us to sort of lose hope sometimes. It causes us to find ourselves focusing more on the world around us, and we sometimes lose hope of that which we have in Christ Jesus. And whether we want to assign blame to this broken, dark, chaotic world on sin, maybe some of you don't agree with that, that's fine, but there are a hundred other reasons as to why this world could be broken as well. We could look at a broken political system, Maybe some think the two-party system is broken, and I don't disagree with you, and we could talk about that next year in November. How's that? Maybe for some it's corporate greed, if we could just deal with this issue of corporate greed. For some it's just ignorance, if we could just get people to know stuff, if they understood more. Maybe it's environmentalism. Maybe it's all of these things, and we could point to all of those things, but we'd at least agree that the world just seems dark sometimes, doesn't it? It just seems broken sometimes, doesn't it? Five years ago, I think, I stopped uh, watching the news. Anyone? My my life has been a whole lot less um, anxious. (laughs) I just find when I look to the world around us, it seems so hopeless. And yet, this is not the first time that the world has been found in a state of hopelessness. In fact, on the very first page of your Bible, if you were to open a Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 1, you'll see what I'm talking about. You see, I'm a man um, of optimism and of hope. My wife thinks I live in the clouds. She's like, Jeff, come down here to reality. And I just, I have this deep-seated belief that God can and does want to change the broken things around us. And I see it first here in the first chapter of the Bible. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, this is a tenet that we believe that God existed before anything else existed, which I know is like mind blowing, but that's the truth that we believe in the beginning, before there was anything else, before there was time, before anything existed, God existed and God spoke into creation and created everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The things you see around you exist because of him. You look into the night sky and you imagine those galaxies and universes all existed because of God. And when he created this, the Bible continues to tell us that when the heavens and the earth were first created, verse 2, it says that they were without form and void. And it said, and darkness was over the face of the deep. This thing that God had created was first formless, devoid of any life, no hope for life, a vast, dark, deep ocean, a desert, if you will, where nothing could live. And over all of that brokenness or chaos, some people call it, God was there. It says in the next part of that verse that, The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, even though he wasn't inside the chaos, hear me when I say that, he was paying attention to it. He was above it, noticing the darkness, noticing the chaos. 
And I just add that to our lives today, that God oftentimes feels so far removed from us, so distant from us, we think he's not paying attention, but oh, he is paying attention. And just as as I said earlier, there is hope for us that God would come in and help a broken, chaotic, dark world. He did it here, and he wants to do it again in our lives as well. And it says, the Spirit of God, the Spirit, the Greek word in the Greek translation of that Old Testament passage is pneuma, and it means this, the breath or the wind of God was hovering over the chaos. God was about to speak. That's what the author's telling us. God was about to say something to the vast emptiness and void. God was about to talk to the darkness, and the darkness would listen. Look what it says. It says, and God said, verse three, let there be light. And there was light. Immediately, two things come to mind. Number one, darkness, when light comes to it, responds. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Darkness didn't get a chance to argue its point. (laughs) But no, 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 I don't want light. Too bad. Lights come. In fact, we understand darkness to be this, just the mere absence of light. The reason there's darkness is because there is no light. It's much like silence. It's not, there's not really silence, just, just the absence of sound or the absence of noise. Now, if you're a parent of young children, there is no such thing as silence. <laughs> and if there is, it is not a good thing. You're wondering to yourself, what are they doing right now? They're way too quiet in the other room. We see that God is... Speaking light into the darkness, darkness immediately responds. It's as if the thought comes to God, the action at the exact same time. And in a twinkling of an eye, in in a moment, light comes, darkness flees. Which leads us to the second point. God is over the darkness. God is above the darkness. The darkness responds to God when he speaks. I mentioned I'm a hope-filled person, and it's primarily because of passages like this. And it's not just that God spoke light into darkness all those many, many years ago, but God continues to speak light into darkness even in our days. Would you agree? John, who wrote one of the biographies of Jesus, we call them gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you look to John's gospel, his writing about the life of Jesus, he actually uses similar language that the author for the book of beginnings uses. In Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when John begins to tell the story of Jesus, he uses the same language. He says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What John is telling us is there in the creation story that we've already read that not only was God there, and not only was his spirit there, but there was this mysterious third person present as well. John gives him a name, the Word, capital W, Word. It's the wisdom of God. We don't know who this person is, but we know this, that this person was not only just in union with God, but he was present with the creation of everything. In fact, the next verse says that very thing. Verse 3, all things were made through him, this mysterious person, and without him was not anything made. Hear me when I say this. This person was there when darkness was pushed back. This person was the one who spoke and said, darkness be gone. This person was the one who said, light has come. This person, if 
Spoiler alert. You keep reading John's gospel, chapter 14, it says this about this word. It said that the word became flesh. The word became flesh. It, it took on a body. John was saying that this, this word was not only creating with God and was with union with God, but he actually said he was God as well. But this God person took on flesh and dwelt among us or lived among us. This is, anyone want to guess who this is? <laughs> Jesus. The answer is Jesus if you're visiting. Always. Jesus took on flesh, God himself, covered himself in human flesh and lived among us. And this Jesus was there in creation, pushing back the darkness. And now we finally have hope, right, for the world. And I want us to consider what we're celebrating this year as we consider the birth of Jesus and placed inside that manger in that little village called Bethlehem. And I hope to get there at some point, just not today. Today, I don't want us to celebrate too early. I don't want us to run too fast. I don't want us to rejoice too quickly in the joy that's come to the world. I want us to pause and consider what, in fact, has happened. See, just like in the beginning when God spoke light into the darkness, he did the same thing in Jesus' life as well. But unfortunately, in the Christmas season... We can so quickly move to rejoicing and to celebrating, we never notice the brokenness, the darkness, and the chaos of even our own lives. It's as if the culture around us wants us to forget the brokenness, the darkness, and the chaos of our lives. We're so quick to move from party to party to party to party. I don't know about you, but I had just washed and put the final Thanksgiving casserole dish in the cabinet and we're already at Christmas season. We go from Thanksgiving to Christmas and as soon as Christmas is over, we take down the trees. We have to celebrate New Year's Eve. I mean, we have to, right? We celebrate New Year's. Maybe your boss gives you the day off on New Year's Day and from there we move to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's a holiday, am I right? I mean, whether your team's in it or not, we're gathering together to have fun with one another, watch the halftime show. Changed my mind, Lady Gaga has put together the best halftime show ever. Changed my mind. I'm just saying, she's amazing. Moving on, no fans, that's okay. No fans. We, we leave the Super Bowl, we find ourselves at Valentine's Day and then Valentine's Day to Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras to Easter, that's kind of a thing around here. And Easter to Cinco de Mayo, guacamole, and then from there to the 4th of July. And it's just this endless cycle of celebration, 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 joy, 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 joy. And all of this just seems to desensitize us to the reality that we live in, that our life is in fact broken, that there is darkness all around us. And we sort of medicated away from these joyous occasions. It becomes a type of anesthesia of sorts for us. I think it'd be best if we just pause for a moment and to truly consider how broken that our lives sometimes are. I've already been talking to my therapist. I am not depressed. <laughs> I feel a bit melancholy, just so you know. He has counseled some light therapy. We'll get to that later. But anyways, I think we should just do well to consider what, in fact, Jesus has broken into in our lives. 
One of the things that we've been struggling with here at the church is we're going through a huge remodel. Many of you know this. The place is always a mess and dusty. And um, this front stairwell doesn't have any lights in it at night. And so whenever I stay late and have to make my way down the stairs, it's pitch black almost. And I've done well to count the steps. I go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, turn. Go 11 steps, turn, 11 more steps and turn 12 more steps and I'm out. But I'm just laboring through the whole process of making my way down without breaking a hip. <laughs> and one day somebody is walking down with me and they just opened their phone, flipped on their flashlight and turned it on. I'm like, duh. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I not think of this before? Like I am murmuring curse words at the contractors for not having put the lights in. What does it take to hang a few lights around this place? And they just flip on the light. Now hear me, when that happened, all of a sudden, all the laboring that I was doing in the dark was exposed. All the extra work, all the forethought, all the considerations and fear that I found in the dark was immediately removed when the light came on. I want us to consider what the darkness in our life looks like. I want us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I promise you, I want us to do that. But I'm afraid this constant cycle of celebration to celebration to celebration is doing damage to us. Uh, Tish Harrison Warren, she's an Anglican priest, um, along with her husband, she serves, who's also an Anglican priest, they serve a church in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This last week, she wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times, and she said this about us as Christians, and I think it speaks to the issue that we have sometimes. She says that we as Christians, we suffer from this collective consumerist mania that demands, or demands rather, that we remain optimistic, shiny, happy, always having fun, fun, fun. Don't misunderstand me. I think there is good news to be celebrated. I want to celebrate, especially since many of us have had a hard year this year. Just to give you context here of how long and difficult this year has been for some of us, that whole Tide Pod thing where kids were eating Tide Pods, remember that? That was January of this year. That's how long this year has been. Does it feel long to you now? And I want you to consider some of the things that many of us have had to endure these past 12 months. I've counseled people who have lost loved ones I've counseled people who've been pushed into early retirement because their employer sees them simply as a dollar sign and not as a person. I've seen family members nurse sick people as they continue to get sicker and sicker and sicker. I've seen families weather the storms of infidelity, divorces taking place all around us. <laughs> I promise you I'm not depressed. <laughs> I'm just saying this is the reality of the world that we live in. This is, in fact, the year that many of us have had. And for us to not consider that, I think we do a disservice to appreciating and receiving the light that truly has come. Until we see the darkness for which it is, can we ever appreciate the light that's come? I know this, that we want more than just celebrations in our life to dull us from the darkness and the chaos of our world. In fact, if we just allow the next celebration, the next graduation party, the next birthday party, we'll never come to grips with what God has done through his son, Jesus. 
that he has come to, in fact, save the world. What we don't need is another celebration. What we need is Jesus to help us. And so before we were too quick to throw on our footy pajamas and just <laughs> scatter tinsel all over everything in our, in our lives, let's pause for a moment. And just know this, that the world was broken and dark and chaotic before. God sent light to change it. And he did so in John's gospel. He sent Jesus to us to change the brokenness, the chaotic, the, the, the dark world. And he will continue to do so. In, in fact, John continues writing about this word, this Jesus. And he says this here in verse 4. In him, Jesus, was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John uses this word life 36 times in his short little biography about Jesus. And it takes us back to the creation account, to the beginning, that we see that God is the author of life. God is the one who brings life. In Jesus Christ, we would say these words, Jesus Christ is the creator of all physical life. Jesus Christ is the redeemer who provides a spiritual renewal and life for us. And ultimately, Jesus Christ is the savior that makes us have the opportunity for eternal life with God forever. And when the light has come and we can fully experience it and see it for what it is, we rejoice in it. I was standing in the back of the room while we were singing, Hark the Herald Angels sing while we were harking or whatever that's called. And I noticed, I noticed not many of us lifted our hands and worship. Just if you're visiting the church, oftentimes when we're singing of the goodness of who God is, we lift our hands and worship. But because that song has become so tied to just a tradition for us, we, we forgot the meaning of the words. There was a moment we actually said the words that he is the light and life to us. And there wasn't, don't hear this wrong way, I don't judge anyone. But we missed an opportunity to applaud. We missed an opportunity to rejoice in that because it's, it's lost everything for us. And all I'm saying is, but for a moment, if we don't run to tinsel, if we don't run to lights on Christmas trees, if we don't run to holiday cookies, I mean, let's get there at some point. But let's not just go there first. And let's consider what God is actually sending light into. The brokenness of your life, the darkness of your life, the chaos of your world. God is, in fact, over it, noticing it, and wants to speak life into it. This is what John says. Jesus, the word, the one who dwelt among us, has come to bring us life here and forever. This life was the light of men. Oh my goodness. Should you and I fully grasp the magnitude of this when Christ has come to indwell inside of us and take residence in us, much like the baby that's been placed in the manger in Bethlehem, when he's placed inside of our heart and he begins to grow, then we begin to reflect the light of the world. And every step we take becomes a place where he lives now. Every step we take is a place where the light begins to shine. Every place we go is a place where Jesus goes. Everything we pray towards is a thing that God prays towards in Jesus. This life becomes light not just for us, but for all the world to see. I mean no shame 
or guilt when I say that we didn't rejoice <laughs> during the rejoicing part. <laughs> I just mean this. I think we're so quick. We're so quick to just get to that. We miss what it really means to us. He takes the word light and uses it in full contrast to what the world seems to be around us. Around us is death and or darkness, and in Jesus we see life and light. He uses the same language from the creation account. Just as God spoke light then, he continues to speak light now. Jesus Christ is fully alone as the life giver and the light bearer for us. I want to close, and I want us to consider a few things. If you're visiting, I haven't forgotten what I'm supposed to say next. (laughs) I'm just waiting to hear what God would want to say next. I'm a, all right, I'm way off notes now. Are we okay? <laughs> I follow a couple people on social media. A lot of them are pastors and preachers. And one of them said just yesterday, he tweeted something out that says, hey, preacher, when you go to preach tomorrow, um, make, make my, be mindful of a few things. Number one, that you're going to be preaching um, not in your own power, but in the power that comes from God alone. And I'm like, ooh, all right. So it's not about me, shucks, right? It's about God. And and secondly, he says this, make sure you're preaching God's agenda and not your agenda. So I have to admit, for these last few weeks, I've been laboring into this idea that we need to understand the brokenness from which we come. I, I know that. And I don't think it's just for me. I think it's for all of us. So I'm pausing to consider what else God might add to that so it, so it resonates with you. I think at the end of this month, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, it will matter more to you when you look back to the dark things in your, your year and go, but man, God was there. Or God, God is, is here now and he's turning all of those things into something that I could never possibly imagine they could be. God just has this ability to, to do that. I pray for you. I don't know all of you by name, but I pray for you all the time. God, open our eyes to the reality of the rescue that you sent in Jesus Christ. God, come and be with us again that we not just blow through this holiday season missing the reality of what you've done in Jesus for us. The holidays will come and go and at the end, we'll miss it. I have this rule at my house that once we pack up all of the Christmas decorations, and I've labored them down the stairs to my basement. If anything gets left out, it gets pitched, right? I'm not playing that game where I go open other boxes. So imagine my shock when a couple years ago, I realized I let baby Jesus out of the box in the manger scene. And I was about to throw him in the trash. (laughs) 
I felt convicted. <laughs> like, is it okay to throw Jesus in the trash? <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know if this is right or not, but I have a rule that says nothing gets carried back downstairs. So little baby ceramic Jesus is going into the trash can. You want to know, did I actually throw him in the trash? I think I did. <laughs> I think I did. I know. It's stuff. It's stuff. It's stuff. <laughs> You're like, what kind of a man is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Rules are rules. My, my fear is that it'll, it'll be the same for us kind of on a spiritual uh, level. We'll just run through it. And at the end of the, the season, we'll just go, man, don't need that anymore. And we move. We go next. We jump into the next celebration like an ostrich that just sticks its head in the ground, refusing to experience the brokenness around them. And I'm here to say, if you do not pause to consider how good God is to you, that he sees all of the chaos of your life and he sent Jesus into it. You'll never fully appreciate this season anyways. So anyways, God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for our time together. Lord, we are excited at the prospect over these next few weeks as we begin to anticipate the birth of your son. God, we're not there yet. We are still, if you will, in the the dark place of our life. But we're hopeful, Lord, because we know the end of the story that your son Jesus has come. That he is the thing that we need to allow us to get through all of the chaos and the brokenness and the disorder. He is the one who can address the sin issue that Chesterton spoke about. He is the one who can help us God. And I pray, Lord God, that as we consider all of that, God, our hearts would be moved to gratitude. Our hearts would be moved towards worship and thankfulness, God. Our, our voices would raise as you are the one who overcomes the darkness, God. And that our lives would forever be changed. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. And I want to encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God, which might be getting involved with a group of other believers. If you'd like to be a part of what's going on here at Renaissance, then please connect with us on social media or online at renaissancedecatur.org.